So I uh, was telling someone about this book and they said, I want to introduce you to someone. And they introduced me to someone who runs a an informal group of these business owners. And he said, look, would you consider coming along and talking about your book? These guys really need to know this. Uh, they're absolutely hungry for it. Uh, and I said, sure, tell me about the, uh, the group. And he said, well, they're all privately held companies and they are all companies that are in excess of $100 million a year annual turnover. That's just someone that I never would have got in front of. I'm actually going to talk to them this week, so I can't tell you what uh, any, any business that's come out of it or any connections. But my philosophy is my job is to add as much value to as many people's lives as I possibly can. And if I can help one of those business owners learn a little bit more about how to make people's lives happier through working with their team, then I've added a lot of value to a lot of people's lives. And that never would have happened if I hadn't have written the book and got that introduction in the first place. Welcome to Tailmaking. This is a weekly podcast about getting your business message out. And our particular focus is on using the skills of journalism and storytelling to do that. I'm Stephen Lewis, director of Tailist, a content marketing agency based in Sydney. And you've just heard from my guest this week, Brett Odgers. Brett runs a business coaching practice in Sydney, but he's got a wide range of experience in business, having run photographic studios, film production companies, graphic design studios, and even, he says, an advertising agency. As a business coach, Brett is passionate about helping people achieve mastery in their lives, especially their businesses, of course. But Brett has another passion, kids football or soccer, if you must, um, and he's married those two passions in his book, Playing Above the Line. Welcome, Brett. Thank you, mate. Really good to be here. And uh, you'll forgive me if I'm bilingual when it comes to this sporting analogy. I speak both soccer and football. Well, you're safe with me in a way because I know nothing about sport. Um, but I, I have read the book and, uh, you know, for the, for the benefit of, of, of those who haven't, you are a business coach, but you also ended up coaching a, a teenager's football team and you applied the practice of coaching as in business coaching, life coaching, to that team. So, of course, without giving away the whole of the book, how did that work out for you? Well, I, you know, I, I love working with teams in business. Uh, you know, there's a, a saying that I, I uh, think is attributed to Jim Rohn, which is you don't build a business, you build people, and people build your business. And I think that that's really lost on a lot of, you know, owners. So I've always been focused on that. If we can build your team... All the things that you want in your business are likely to happen. More profitability, easier, you know, more impact. So I was working with this one particular group, which is a music tuition business, and I, I really enjoyed working with them. They had about 35 people there. Um, they'd been struggling for six years. And after doing about three months of work with them, they were happier than they'd ever been. The director had more time to work on strategic stuff. They were more profitable than they'd ever been. And, you know, I, th I was sitting there thinking, oh, this has got to work for anyone because a lot of the people in this music tuition business were not much older than the guys I was coaching at soccer. So I thought, all right, let's give it a go. And so I, I set about... Uh, without them really knowing, uh, running this experiment on them. 
Uh, I'd been coaching this team for a couple of years now. I'd taken them on as a bit of a rabble a couple of years ago. And the first year I took on this team, they lost every single game. Not, not most, every game. And, I used uh, to captain a team like that. Yes. <laughs> we never It's a won. little disheartening. And as a coach, your job there is to keep their spirits up. Uh, everyone who played against us said they play with really good heart, you know. And uh, so the next year we, we sort of got in the right division and we were a little bit better and we finished fifth. And so this now puts us at the position where I thought, I'm going to try this experiment because I'd given them all the technical skills to get to that level. This was a mindset skill, and uh, the, the name of the book is Playing Above the Line, and really that's the big secret that I taught them. I taught them about what playing above the line means, and once they understood that and they internalised that in their team play, it transformed everything, and it was an extraordinary result. And to... to you know, for someone who thought, look, I've seen this work in businesses, I guess it works in businesses, and it could work in these young people's lives, um, you know, it was incredibly exciting to see the kind of results that we got. So playing above the line was something you, you were already teaching in your in your business work, but it was new to teaching the football team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, playing above the line is a, is, a, is a way of thinking about things. It was an idea introduced by a guy called... Marshall Thurber, and Marshall Thurber's a, an absolute genius. He is uh, the guy who trained uh, Tony Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki, some pretty significant names. And the line that we're talking about is the line of responsibility. And above the line, you're taking responsibility and ownership for whatever situation you find yourself in. Uh, in a business, that situation is, well, I don't have any clients and I need more, or I have staff leaving by the droves and I need to deal with that. Whatever it is, you take responsibility for it. What happens below the line is what people see a lot of. Now, below the line is uh, blame, you know, just throwing off, you know, oh, it's not my fault, it's someone else's fault, making excuses, oh, well, you know, I guess the economy's bad and we've got no clients or I guess I just can't get good staff. And the last one that I've kind of added in is drama. So heightened drama, lots of emotion, which, of course, we see in teenagers all the time, especially in soccer or football. So below the line is indulging in blame, excuse and drama. Above, above the line is taking responsibility. Now, the single most challenging organism on the face of the earth, I think, is a teenage boy. They are incredibly capable. They're physically strong. They can do unbelievable things, but they are so challenging and they want to, they want to ping you on everything. So needless to say, I had a bit of pushback. Um, but once they began to understand this and once they began to use this above-the-line thinking, it absolutely changed everything. And they started to see results. And as soon as they started to see results, they thought, okay, coaches, not crackers. There's something to this. And so I started to build more and more of those business coachy philosophies into the team. So what you've done in the book is you've you've intertwined the methodology with the story of uh, the kids. Did is this a book that you could have written? Do you feel without the story of the kids to to build it around, 
Um, so how much did, I guess what I'm asking is how much did having that story make the book possible? Uh, look, I, my feeling is that without that story, that book was not possible. So the otherwise what you've got is a lot of data. Now, I could tell you all the science behind what I did. I can tell you the science of leadership. I can tell you the science of um, all sorts of uh, performance-based stuff. But that's just data. Without context, it's just data. And data doesn't mean that much unless it impacts people. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in um, giving people a, a, a firm understanding of how it's actually used. Now, I'm in the incredibly fortunate position that I didn't have to make anything up. Everything was in front of me. Uh, you know, everything from uh, teaching the, the uh, team about Above the Line, the kind of responses they got back at me, um, the kind of challenges we faced along the way, uh, you know, the results. I didn't have to make anything up. So I think uh, really what I did was I started with the story and then I started to think, okay, the point at which uh, this bit of the story worked really well was when I instituted that. So I actually started to work backwards from the story and give some meaningful data as to why that thing happened. Do you, your story has a, a very happy ending. Mm. What if it didn't? What if they hadn't won? Do you, it, would there still have been a book in it or did the story require that Hollywood-style happy ending? You know, when I first started, I thought, you know, it has to have the happy ending, you know. And, and now I started writing the book after we had um, we had, had huge success. So in Australia, the soccer season starts in February, finishes in August. And I started writing this book in December. So I'd been kind of processing it and I already had that in there. Uh but I'm, I've actually been asked to co-write uh, several other books and I've actually got a second book in the works which is, uh, you know, ostensibly titled Staying Above the Line. And Staying Above the Line is about how we keep that responsibility and keep on moving on. And there have been some teams that we have not been able to stay above the line and have disintegrated. And, you know, that's just life. That's the way it goes. I, I really, uh, you, you know, I, I guess I feel sometimes I've got to m tell people it's all good. But the reality is, uh, and I've faced this in a couple of teams recently, people are terrified of change. It absolutely threatens them. And so there are some teams that will have team members that sabotage the team because they're so terrified of change. Now, you know, they're teams that haven't had the ideal ending, but there is a lesson to be learned in every one of them. And, you know, my mission in life is just to keep adding value. If I can add value to someone's life by letting them understand what goes on when things don't work perfectly, then my job's done. You you chose to take this story and you so you I'm understanding you, you would have taken it even if the team had lost and and use that to, to teach. You chose to teach those lessons in a, in a book. Um, you've got a background in, in many creative media. I mean, it would have been a hard thing to tell in photographs, but you could have told it in video, which you know yeah. how to do. Why a book rather than any other medium? 
Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I, uh, you know, you would imagine being a, a former film director and all that sort of stuff that I'm a very visual person, and I am. But for some reason, I find writing organises my thoughts. Uh, I, I do organise them in a, in, a, in a very visual way and one of the profound influences on me in structuring my stories was uh, Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, he has a fantastic YouTube video called The Shapes of Stories. Uh, Kurt was um, a scriptwriter, Hollywood scriptwriter. I, I can't remember his uh, credits, but it, it's I think he wrote The China Syndrome, some pretty significant um, uh, stories. He does a really fun YouTube video, which I, you know, I'll encourage you to put a link on this podcast to check it out. And it talks about the shapes of stories. And those stories, uh, that visual seeing the story really profoundly helped me uh, craft the message uh, and put it in a way that made sense. So while I might be using words on a screen or on a page, um, it allows the reader to create their own uh, visual you know, ideas. Um, the other thing too, I think, is that uh, I, I don't know what it is about books. Uh, there's something mystical about them. There's something spiritual about it. You know, there's once it's down on paper, it gives people the opportunity to interpret it however they like. But it's also, you know, in this digital world, there's nothing quite like being able to hand over a little six by nine packet full of wisdom that could change people's lives. I agree. And that there's, I mean, I think we are. There's something innate in us. I mean, I'd say innate, obviously. Um, our forefathers did not have books, so it can't be <laughs> innate. Um, but there is something that is, is bred into us, certainly at the moment, whether the next generation will have it. There is an authority that comes with the fact that you have written a book. Yep. Uh, and I was talking to somebody the other day about writing writing books and you know, the, the, the fact that it is the most powerful, in my opinion, business card that you can possibly have, to which her view was, oh, I think everybody's writing books now. And Everyone's think- talking about writing books is what I can tell you. I, you know, all of my clients are like, oh, yeah, I need to write a book. And I've been harassing them for nine months and they still haven't put words on paper. So but- I think everyone's talking about writing books and about 2% of them are actually doing it. It's a... And, and I think what, what, what the lady that I was talking to was also missing was you're taking the aggregate of everybody's writing books, but, you know, she works in a specific area, in a specific niche where everybody is not writing books. She still has the potential to be the expert in that niche um, because she would be the one who wrote a book. And the fact that she knows an accountant who's writing a book and a lawyer who's writing is completely irrelevant, different, yeah. different yeah. markets. Um, but... As you say, people talk about it because it's a long way from the blank screen of your Word document to having a finished, published book. What was your process for going from that first, I'm assuming you used Word to write it? Yes, yeah, yeah. uh, One of my clients asked me this. uh, You know, it's interesting. I've actually gotten three or four clients now who we've decided that actually uh, a really significant part of their marketing is going to be writing a book. Uh, So... I've actually had to sort of think about this. And and the first thing I did, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in bite off more than you can chew and chew like hell. 
So on the 17th of December, I said by the 30th of January, the first draft of this book will be finished. Uh, so in Australia, that's summer holidays. Um, you know, we have a, a two weeks or so between Christmas and New Year. And I just set myself an unreasonable deadline. Absolutely ridiculous. A friend of mine said, I, I wrote a book in a month and I, I was like, what? He said, well, I'd already written most of it. I just had to collate it. And I thought, I can't see any reason why I can't just set myself a ridiculous deadline and then meet it. And then I set another deadline, completely picked it out of the air. Uh, two months after that, it would be printed and ready to hand over. I was to the day accurate. Um, and I think when you give yourself a deadline, you go for it. Um, the other thing that I, a lot of people think about writing as, look, I'm going to go off to the south of France and take three weeks out. You know, my experience is write around your life, right? Don't take time out because, I don't know, my brain works at 100 miles an hour and, you know, if I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning because I can't sleep because I'm thinking about something, well, get up and bash out another chapter or just, you know, find that, you know, fit it in. Um, so, uh, we, you know, we had a, a summer holiday for a couple of weeks and we'd go surfing with the kids in the morning and, of course, everyone would come back and make lunch and have a beer and and rather than fall asleep, I'd just sit in the hammock with a beer and, and start writing it. And it was an incredibly enjoyable experience, I have to say. Uh, so fitting that writing in around your life, uh, having that unreasonable deadline. Uh, the the link that I, I mentioned about uh, Kirk Vonnegut, the, the shape of stories, that massively helped me understand how to communicate. I'm not a trained writer. I, you know, I don't have the kind of training and skills that you have. So you'll notice my book is very conversational. Uh, I was talking with one of my friends yesterday who's uh, the vice chancellor of one of the universities here and she was raving about the book, which was incredibly humbling. But I said, you know, I was a bit worried about what you'd say about it because I'm not a trained writer. And she said, don't be, don't be a trained writer. It is wonderful just how it is. So I guess the third thing is just find your voice and just write how you write. Uh, you know, I, I'm awful at spelling and I'm awful at grammar, <laughs> which is why I've got people who are far cleverer than me to help me with that. Um, but it's, uh, they're, they're really essential. The other, the other thing that made a massive impact was that I really decided that I needed to tell stories and so I needed to get good at telling stories. That's why the Kirk Vonnegut uh, shape of stories was so powerful. But I was also reading a lot of books at the same time and one of the books I was reading was Born to Win, uh, which is John Bertrand's um, autobiography. And, you know, it's a big book. It's a 400-pager and it's, it's a lot of details about how Australia won the world, uh, the um, America's Cup. And right from the get-go, he started the story in the midst of an intense race. And I was absolutely captivated. I was 100 pages in before I knew really what I'd done. And I thought, oh, I've got to do that in my book. You know, I can't just start with the first I was born and then this happened and then I did. You know, you've got to find a moment that is intense that you remember that and then put people in the middle of it. And so that's what I've done. You know, I started off my book and, you know, I, I've, you know, I don't claim to be you know, great at that, but I have stood on the shoulders of greater people than I and thought, 
well, whoever helped John write that book, I'm going to do that, you know, so I, I did that. Um, so, yeah, there's some of the elements that, that really made a difference to me and just working on that storytelling was incredibly uh, powerful by helping me structure the information in a way that would help people the most. And and how many people, um, if anybody, helped you in that? Because uh, we, I, I've said I've said before that books are a very collaborative process. And as a ghostwriter, for instance, people sometimes think that that's cheating. That you had a ghostwriter, as if, for instance, if if I had written your book, that I could go away and write a whole book on business coaching mm. from a start, standing start of zero knowledge. Of course, I couldn't. I bring the writing. The author brings uh, the knowledge. But even when I've written books for myself, there are other people in that process. Mm. Who was in your process? Um, probably one of the most significant uh, people in that process was my coach. So uh, I have a coach uh, and he is an amazing man. He's, uh, he's actually about 76, I think, maybe 77. Uh, he's worked with some incredible people. So he's worked, he's best mates with Robert Kiyosaki and he's worked with the Dalai Lama and Mikhail Gorbachev and some huge names, right? So he is incredibly insightful. He never told me what to write but would uh, really encourage me around elements to think of, which is what coaching is about. You know, it's about drawing out. Uh, I... Once I'd read it, uh, sorry, once I'd written it, I did ask for a lot of people to write it, but my experience is people just have busy lives and they don't have time to write and critique it. Uh, so in terms of writing it, I, I kind of did it all myself. Um, you know, I've, I've actually written quite a bit. I've written some screenplays, uh, nothing that's been produced, but uh, I've done a lot of writing in the past. So I guess I was I was doing the writing by myself Uh the people who probably helped me are the people who the books that I was reading at the same time. Um, the other text that massively helped me was a book called a talk like Ted, you know, the Ted talks are, uh, I think an incredibly powerful structure for uh, getting great information out. So looking at some of the writings of people who were analyzing that, that was very helpful. Um, the other thing too is, once it's out, getting feedback from people. Uh, I, I had uh, some other friends who said, oh, look, you know, I think you should have more headings in it, you know, uh, maybe try this, maybe try that. Um, and, you know, so you take some of that on, but I didn't go down the road of getting an editor and all that sort of thing. And, um, and not that I wouldn't go down that road. I just, you know, I thought I'm just, I gave myself a ridiculous deadline and just did it. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of worked for me. Moving forward, um, the people who are very helpful are people who have read the book and who have given me feedback, you know. So my friend who's the vice-chancellor um, has sort of given me some really solid feedback and it's all incredibly positive and basically she said, don't change it. It's It's great just how it is. Well, she should be blurbing your second book then. Yes. Well, uh, I, it occurred to me I should <laughs> get her to ask for an endorsement. That's right. If not blurbing the uh, the second edition of, of this book. So yeah. you've given a lot of great advice to authors in this podcast. But if you had to pick 
your three pieces of advice to somebody who was going to go out and write a business book, what are those three pieces? Uh, I think the number one is bite off more than you can chew and chew like hell. Uh, I last week I was over in the US doing some training with uh, an incredibly successful guy called Marshall Goldsmith, who wrote "What Got You Here Won't Get You There." Um, this is a man who got a you know a significant advance on his current book. Uh, you know, one of the top writers in the world, and we were in a room with about seventy other people, all very high performing business coaches, and. Every single one in that room said, I'm, I, I want to write a book, I want to write a book. Only one person had written a book and that was me. Uh, so they are the highest performers of the highest performers and they're all still talking about it. And in 12 months' time, they'll all still be talking about it. So just do it. Uh, just forget all the, uh, the voices in your head saying, but you're not this or but you're not that. Just do it. Set a really ridiculous deadline um, for me, six-week deadline was worked, and uh, so that's definitely number one. Number two, and I can't stress how important this is, it has to be from the heart. If you aren't writing or talking about something that you are deeply, passionately connected to, that'll come across. So your friend that you were saying, oh, you know, there's other accountants writing, I don't care. I want to know what you bring to it. Now, I'm deeply passionate about team because uh, there's there's a deeply spiritual element to groups of people coming together and you get to be the best version of yourself in a team uh, or the worst version of yourself depending on where you're at in the team. But it's it's incredible levels of goodness. So I'm very passionate about that. I'm less passionate about profit and loss statements or financial reporting. Um, you know, so if I wrote a, a book about that, it'd probably be pretty dry. So you've got to talk from the heart. You've got to write from the heart. You've got to, it's got to be personal. If it's not personal, don't do it. Um, number three, uh, there are so many free resources available to you as a writer so you mentioned uh, I wrote it in word and it, it I thought I wonder if there's a if there's a document template uh, I you know I, I picked the size I wanted which is six by nine inch I google searched word document templates and there were dozens of free um, you know templates and I just downloaded one and started writing uh you know, how to design a cover. There are really inexpensive uh, resources to do that. Uh, I self-publish this uh, and it's incredibly simple to do. You just need to ask the right question, which is um, how can I get to the next level? How can I get it printed? How can I get it distributed? How can I get it sold? How can I... I don't care what the next level is for you. Asking that question you will go out and find those resources and you don't need $100,000 to write a book, um, you know, and in in a fairly short period of time, this is now available on Amazon, Booktopia, you know, and, and my next uh, my next target uh, with this, uh, the next question I'm asking myself is, how can I sell 5,000 units? Um, because at 5,000 units, some of the big US uh, publishers will pick it up and, then the next level is how do I how do I get it onto the New York Times bestseller? 
Well, one place that uh, Brett has very kindly uh, placed the book is at Talus.com. So you can get a free download of the book in our exclusive subscriber library. So if you go over to Talus.com to the show notes for this episode, you'll find out how to get your free copy of the book. So, Brett, that's how people can get the book. But if somebody wants to work with you, yep, how do they go about doing that? Uh, you're going to give them an email. Uh, and uh, look, the whole principle with this book is I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference with teams and groups because it changes people's lives. And if you think I could help any one of your listeners in any way, make contact via the email. Uh, my, uh, I've got the website set up, playingabovetheline.com. Uh, there's some contact details on there. Uh, if you think that business coaching might help you in your business or help your team, um, brettodgersbusinesscoach.com.au is the one to get there. And the question, and, and in terms of giving you that book, uh, really the idea with that is I just want you to make a difference in the lives of someone who's working with a team. If that's young people, that's great. If it's your work, that's great. If it's your family, don't mind. Uh, just pay it forward you know and uh, get that information out there and help people brett thank you very much for talking to us been my pleasure thanks mate you've been listening to tail making with my guest brett odgers and you'll find all of the links to that uh, brett's been talking about in the show notes for this episode which is at tailist.com so the tail making home at tailist.com that's tail as in telling tales t-a-l-e-i-s-t.com so if you go over to tailist.com you can get access to our exclusive subscriber library and find all of brett's details thank you for listening and until the next story i've been stephen lewis see you then Next week on the Tailmaking Podcast. Just because someone types at a computer all day doesn't make them a writer. I own a hammer and I've even used it from time to time, but you would not want me doing renovations on your house. Sign up at tailmaking.com.